Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. We hope this week's message encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's good to be together. We had uh, special day today, and what I'd like to do before we introduce our, our speaker for the day is context this day in light of our mission. So our big picture mission as a church family is to help one another become fully devoted followers of Christ, which the next question is, okay, what's that look like and how do we get there? And, and we've identified five key words that really sum up five uh, hard attitudes that we see in our Lord, as well as five habits that we see in, in our Lord. And they are this, worship, reach, connect, grow, and serve. So when we start our new ministry year, we lock in on our mission, and we give one week aimed at each one of those words. And today, the word that we're aiming at is reach, which is God's calling to us to, with compassion, with a heart of compassion, share the good news of, of Christ with people who don't know him. So this uh, reach happens, we know, at the personal level, at the local level, and at the global level. And at the personal level, we want to just quickly give you a helpful tool that uh, our, our student ministry just went through, but it's called the Three Circles Life Converse, uh, Con- Conversation Guide, and it should be in front of you. There should be one for everyone. But what this is, is a practical way to turn conversations about problems into conversations about Christ. Often, you know, throughout life, people, friends, whatever, work, you're talking about problems, right? And you're like, how do I get to a spiritual conversation about Christ? This is the tool that helps. Take an ordinary conversation about problem into, okay, this is what, um, where there is hope in Christ. And so you can take one of those with you. But today is not about personal as much as it is about global. And we have been called by God to reach globally. And the team, the ministry team that helps us do that as a church family is our church planting ministry team. And so appreciate Bo Humphrey and the team who uh, lead this. We'll have Bo come at this time. And he's going to give us just a quick update on where we are as a um, church planting team. And then he'll introduce our guest speaker and, and pray us in today. Thanks, John. Um, so my, my name is, uh, I'm, I'm going to put this here, <laughs> uh, is Bo. Um, I'm one of the members of our uh, church planning team. Um, uh, some of the other ones, just so you know, names, John is on the team, Doug Wicker, Carrie Zang, uh, Frank and Verna Seeger, Bob Curran, Bill Hurley, Ron McDougall, Joe and Karen Johansson. So um, we're always uh, looking for more. I, I want to talk a little bit about this map, but real quick, why, why church planning? Why are we called church planning? Some churches have missions team, church planning. Uh, there's two convictions for that. One is, as you're going to be hearing a little bit from Ken in a minute, is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a command to the church and through the church. It's actually not through mission agencies. It is to the church, and it is through the church. And the way to make disciples is the church. So if we're going to make disciples of all nations, we want churches out there doing that. That's the model. That's what you should be doing. And the other one is this great truth that's found in Ephesians 3 that Paul says, 
uh, he says, uh, talking, picking up this, to preach the, uh, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone, that is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And then this is the key verse here. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Church, we're doing that right here. We want that to happen in places where there's not churches. So it is through the establishment of Christians who gather together as a church that the manifold wisdom of God is going to be proclaimed. So that's why we want to focus on that. We have a couple of principles, and um, you're going to be hearing more about this, but I also want to talk about in terms of our church planning focus, a few things of what we want to do as a team is we want to be planning churches. We also know that that's multi-stages. So we have people around the world who are doing pre-evangelism, evangelism, church planning, church strengthening, uh, helping those churches be equipped to do other things. And they're primarily, we're wanting to do that among less reached. Um, you're going to be hearing more about that. So your unsaved neighbor is not unreached. You are the way they're going to be reached. Okay. So that, that's not what we mean by unreached. Unsaved does not mean unreached. Unreached means they don't really have access within that com community, that church, that country, the country, for, to hear the gospel, to be exposed to the gospel. So we're trying to, to do that. Um, another point a little bit about all missions includes evangelism. Not all evangelism is missions. The, the distinction there is that missions, there's an intentional sending to a specific area, a specific people, or a specific lang language group. We are all called to evangelism. Some of us, some of you, may be called to be sent. So that's why we do that. And that is core to that is the sharing of the gospel so we try to support churches so a little bit about these dots represent uh, families and locations um, we're doing that as a church around the world so a couple of quick things we support 15 different missionaries in 13 different countries with seven different mission agencies um, we have some clusters so as you can see there's some clusters in what we would refer to as the middle east that part there's some clusters over in the Caribbean and Latin America. Those are important because those are areas where we might start focusing some of our trips and our efforts and our prayers among local churches. When we talk about less reached, 10 of those 15 are serving in countries with less than 10% evangelical Christians. Uh, take, take the world and look at that. Four of those are serving in countries with less than 1% evangelical Christian. A couple of those are serving where it's... A, according to the statistics, is 0.06 evangelical Christians. Uh, some of these people are serving in difficult places where the gospel is most needed. Uh, four, even within countries that are a little bit more reached, are seeking to reach unreached people groups. So just because there's a country that's reached, there may be people groups there who are not reached, and they're intentionally doing that in those areas. Three of those are strengthening national churches to reach unreached people in their areas. So some are not doing it directly. They're doing it through the national churches and are doing that. And three are serving local churches in their countries and communities. So we're, we're doing this. We want to be fulfilling this in our own community and doing, and doing that. And really, that is only possible because of your faithful prayer and your faithful giving. Um, for those of you staying in the member meeting, you may hear a little bit more details, but we have historically budgeted on the, our total reach budget is close to 20% of our overall budget. And the global part of that is between 12 and 14%. And what that means in dollars, it's about $160,000 next year that we're going to be using to support missionaries around the world. We're, we're really thankful that God has given us that ability to do that. 
and, and has brought people in. Again, if you're staying in a member meeting, you're going to hear some of the stories of how these people have, have come up. It is absolutely through God's grace and God's providence that that has happened. So one of the things we want to do is how, how, can, how can you help? I, I want to tell you a couple ways you can help support those people out there. Um, you can pray, and that is not flippant. That is hard work. Um, it is commitment to prayer. Um, it is commitment to pray specifically and to pray faithfully for that. There's a couple ways you can do that. If you're in a small group, adopt one of these missionaries. We have a missionary listing. If you're interested in that, put it on a card. Let me know. Let one of those team members know. We'll send you a listing of those missionaries, and your small group can adopt them and pray for that missionary faithfully and regularly when you're doing that. Um, there is a weekly prayer, missionary prayer lettuce that goes out that helps do that. If you're not getting that, let us know. We'll put you on that. One is uh, you can give. So we support these missionaries through your gifts to the church. We allocate that out through our budget that you approve to be able to help the gospel go in these places. So we ask you to continue. Look, I'm not going to be shy here either. Some of you may have additional giving capacity beyond what you do. That may come in periodic times. It may come in lifestyle changes, maybe something like that. If you do, prayerfully consider giving to some missionaries. Give additional to the church or give to some of these missionaries. Um, hey, go. Um, it's been tough. The last COVID has derailed some of our short-term missions trips, but we're going to be doing that and getting back out there. You may be called to go for a short term for a couple weeks, for a couple months. You may be getting called to go and to live in a different culture in a different land. So if that is called, follow the Spirit. And I'm going to give you two more suggestions. If the church is how the manifold wisdom of God is displayed among the people, be an active part of this church. You are displaying God's and you're displaying, if you hear that Ephesians, to the authorities and the powers. It is being displayed to the world and to the heavens that, you, that God's wisdom is being displayed through his church. So I'd ask you to be a part of that. Um, that can look a different ways. You can be in small groups. You can join our church planning team. That's twice I've mentioned that. I may, I may come back to that. Hey, the other one, that one thing has been beneficial. We have missionaries come in every now and then. There's opportunities to have a meal with them or to sometimes to host them. Take advantage of that. We were blessed to be able to do that and have missionaries in our house when our children were young. If you have kids, host a missionary. Um, even if they're not coming through our church, you know they're here. Host a missionary. Be exposed to God's work among the nations. He is a universal God. He is a great God. He is alive and working in the nations. Our ability to see that is by opening up our eyes and praying and hosting them. So I encourage you to do that. So if you would, uh, join me in prayer, and I'm going to lead us this morning in a time of prayer. Father, we are uh, so thankful that you have called us. Um, even in this church, we have different backgrounds and different languages and different ethnicities, but you have called us a people. Lord, we long for the day at the end when there will be people from every tongue and tribe and nation gathered around the throne proclaiming uh, your glory and your goodness. Lord, we want to be a part of that, a part of other people coming, so help us to be faithful to that. Father, we pray for uh, some of the people who are affected by the hurricanes and the storms that went through. Lord, I pray for mercy, but I also pray that you would use this as a way to draw your people near to you and draw those who are away from you to be close to you. Lord, may your church respond and may the gospel be clear to people then. Lord, we do pray for also for the Goins family. Um, just pray for your, your grace with them. We pray for healing. 
Father, we know also that other churches are meeting right now in our community. We pray that the gospel would be clear, that people would respond, that your name would be praised and lifted up. Lord, that you would strengthen other local churches in our community, that we would affect those and we would reach those who are apart from you, that we would fulfill our part of the Great Commission to reach the people around us. That's the job, Lord, you've given us and have equipped us for. Lord, we, we pray for Kent as he's going to be coming and proclaiming your word Lord, we pray you would give him uh, the power of your spirit and great confidence, knowing that it is your word that he proclaims. Father, we pray also for the members' meeting uh, that we're going to be having. We pray that you would be honored by that, that it would be a great time of fellowship and unity in our body as we live out those one another commands together. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here and worshiping you. We want all things to make much of you and not of us. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I do want to introduce uh, Kent Craig, who's going to be uh, coming up and speaking today. Um, Kent has been with uh, ABW, and he is the executive director over uh, the Asia Pacific. Uh, so several of those people and one of the, our most recent missionaries that we're taking on, you'll be hearing more about in the members' meeting, is I had a chance to talk to Kent and just hear a great review of him who's going to be working in that area. So we are very encouraged by him last night from some of us and really looking forward to the message today. So, Kent. Seldom have I stood to preach where the table has been set like that, all right? The worship team, the Lord's Supper, and then that strategic vision for church planting from Westbridge Church. Thank you for that this morning. Hey, Westbridge family, will you join me in Matthew chapter 28? That's Matthew's account of Christ's great commission. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to be looking at verses 16 to 20 today. As you're turning there... Let me share with you a few other great commissions that we see in the Word of God. I believe personally that the greatest commission is found in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, where we read that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And it's on the basis of that commission that we read this commission today. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at that briefly later on. Verses 1 to 3 was another great commission when the most missionary-minded church in the first century deployed its leadoff batter who started the church and its cleanup hitter whom Barnabas brought in as a disciple and began to train Saul and that rising young star became his colleague on that first missionary journey. Another great commission. In our lives, September 21, 1986, long time ago, was a great commission when Bethesda Baptist Church in Brownsburg, Indiana, deployed us to the Philippines. The words that we're going to look at today, if you have a red letter edition, they appear in red. These are some of the final words of Jesus Christ before his ascension back into heaven, the great commission. Last words are significant. You could share some accounts that are meaningful to you. But in April of 1912, a ship prepared for its maiden voyage from England across the Atlantic to New York City. And that ship was proclaimed to be the largest and most luxurious passenger steamship that ever sailed. 
a representative from the White Star Lines was there at the pier to christen the ship and to proclaim it to be unsinkable. Those famous last words, in fact, infamous last words, were proved to be erroneous just a few days later when the Titanic collided with an iceberg, ripped a hole in its hull, and within three hours that massive ship sank. 1,522 of the 2,223 passengers on board that day perished. Last words are significant. We're going to look at some of the final words of Christ today. And I believe and would share with you this morning that I think that his last command ought to be our primary first concern. The Great Commission of Jesus Christ. Now, the setting for the Great Commission that we see back up in verse 16 was a mountaintop. And indeed, this was a prearranged meeting Jesus has told his disciples before the crucifixion to go to the mountain. The definite article is there. It's not mentioned what mountain. We could speculate on that. But they were together on a mountain. And what a wonderful setting for the Great Commission. It signifies dignity and royalty and authority. And they're on the mountain to receive the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many other significant events in the Gospels during the life and ministry of Christ that occurred on mountaintops, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, his transfiguration on a mountain, the Olivet Discourse, one of his greatest messages, prophetic in theme, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, the crucifixion of Christ on Golgotha, Mount Calvary, and then here they are on the mountain again to receive the Great Commission. Was there any confusion? Was it a mistake? How could 11 men make disciples of the known world? There was no mistake. It's repeated again at the conclusion of all four Gospels, and for a fifth time, in case we didn't get it yet, at the opening of the book of Acts his commission to make disciples among the nations. And this morning, we're going to look again at a familiar passage, I trust, in a fresh and a vital way, at the necessity. We must reach every nation in each generation until Christ returns. And he gives to us a twofold strategy for doing that, for accomplishing exactly what Bo was talking about here from Westbridge Church. What's a twofold strategy? He first of all enlists the participation of believers. It's a spiritual dynamic, is the first half of the strategy. There is a spiritual dynamic for global evangelism. And then, where we generally spend the balance of our time, the bulk of our time, the scriptural design for global evangelism. Three components of the spiritual dynamic for worldwide evangelism. And the first is that, to he enlists the participation of believers. Look back at verse 18 together with me. We see in verse 18 the prelude to the Great Commission. When Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Actually, back up in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. That's the verse I wanted. 
and lists of participation believers, verse 16. How many disciples? Not a rhetorical question. Come on, First Westbridge. How many disciples? Eleven. How many were there just a few days before? Twelve. Who's missing? Judas. Don't miss this. The task of global evangelism has been entrusted to the church. And if we as believers don't get the job done, it's not going to happen. The New Testament makes it very clear that Judas was a betrayer, not a believer. John chapter 6, Jesus knew it from the outset of his ministry. Never a believer that fell away. No, 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 no. He was the betrayer from the outset. And Christ enlists the participation of believers to accomplish the Great Commission, you and me. And secondly, in verse 18, we read that Jesus came to them, said, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What was their posture? The preceding verse, they were worshiping him, but some doubted. And I've often wondered why insert, there is no elaboration, there's no explanation, they're gathered on the mountaintop, beautiful setting, key moment in world history, receiving the Great Commission, they're prostrate and worse. Oh, by the way, some doubted. Where's that come from? We're, we're often critical on Thomas, the doubting disciple. His belief was sealed when he finally saw, when he touched the wounds of Christ. I think that the interjection of this statement just shows the heart of Jesus Christ. This is real, people. And he knows our questions, our apprehensions, our suspicions. Me? World missions? Them? The unreached? My kids, far from grandma and grandpa, my financial support, will it be there? And some doubted. And we're going to discover here in just a couple of minutes the eradication of that doubt. What was it that convinced those 11 men to scatter among the nations and to obey the commission. We'll discover that here momentarily. But the first component of the spiritual dynamic for worldwide evangelism is that he enlists the participation of believers, all even the doubters. Secondly, it entails the power of Jesus Christ, and that's found in verse 18. All authority authority that resides in heaven and on earth, has been entrusted to Jesus Christ. King James has power, NIV, authority. The source of the authority, all authority has been entrusted to Jesus Christ, creator of the world, savior of the world, the master of our lives, entrusted authority by God the Father to him. The scope of the authority, authority in heaven and authority upon earth. His power, his authority is universal. It is unrestricted. Last night we met with the leadership team, with the missions committee, and we talked about the open initiative at ABWE. ABWE's existed as an agency to come alongside, as Bo was explaining accurately, the local church 
and to provide and assist, the help in deploying of missionaries and developing strategic planning for the evangelization and disciple-making of the nations. 95 years, a residential footprint now in 84 countries. And yet, two years ago, we launched the OPEN initiative, whereby we're going to specifically prioritize targeting unreached people groups, nations that have less than 2% Christian population in them. That's the strategic goal. And the underlying motive is to reignite great commission thinking across our organization and our constituency throughout North America. We listed the initial targets for the missions committee and the pastoral staff last night. They include the Fulani of West Africa, the largest nomadic people group in the world today that roam across 19 countries from West Africa up into South Sudan. Islamic, 99% of them. It includes two countries that we named last night. I'm not going to name this morning because of being cast and broadcast on your website, but it's the second largest Muslim people group in Asia and a very, very influential nation with a significant Islamic presence in Southeast Asia. The fourth is really a city. It's the city of Tokyo, Japan, 37 million people in central Japan. ABW's had a presence there for 70 years. We've never targeted Tokyo. The influential heart of Japan and a hub of Asia. Do you realize that the Japanese are the second largest unreached people group in the world today? 6,700 unreached, less than 2% population, Japan is second, only to Bengalis. Japan is by far and away the largest unreached people group that you can enter with a religious worker's visa. Don't have to have a platform, can do direct ministry. The fifth country is the Caribbean. It, that's a region that's near and dear to your hearts with the Crawfords providing oversight. Over a, over a million transplanted Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists that are residing in the Caribbean today. And those of you that are going to attend some of the combined adult fellowships will discover that the Caribbean church is beginning to awaken to their responsibility to impact those transplanted neighbors with the gospel as well. And then the last of the groups that we've identified are the Syrian refugees. Now in its 12th year, displaced peoples because of the Civil War, 6.7 million of them scattered across Europe and the Middle East with another 6.8 million displaced within the homeland of Syria. These are unreached peoples for whom Christ died and his authority demands that we prioritize them as well. He enlists the participation of believers. His commission entails his authoritative command. That's what displaces our doubt. We look at ourselves, we see insufficiencies. We look at the world, we see huge challenges. But it's his authority. It's on the basis of his authority that we go, that we respond in obedience, that we take the gospel to the world. The third component of the spiritual dynamic for global evangelism 
It enlists the participation of believers. It entails his authoritative power, and it ensures his abiding presence. Look down below the commission at the end of verse 20. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's an emphatic statement. A little particle in the King James Version, low in the New International Version, surely it's designed to arrest our attention, to wake up, listen intently, because what's to follow is very, very important. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's an emphatic statement. It's an extensive statement. A word that's translated always literally means all the days throughout. As you venture out in your church planting vision, ABWE, as we engage unreached peoples in the open initiative, 3.14 billion people, more than a third of the world's population. As we do that, we can rest, trust, be guaranteed of the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. He's with us through all the days throughout. He's with us in days of success, days of failure. He's with us in days of joy, days of sorrow. He's with us in days when we miss the target and on days when we forget to even load the gun. He's with us always throughout all the days. When we teach and preach on the Great Commission, we seldom emphasize this component, the spiritual dynamic of global missions. It enlists the participation of believers. It entails the authoritative power of Jesus Christ. Hey, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It is not a voluntary opportunity for you to consider. It is an authoritative command to obey. And it ensures the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. In the 4th century B.C., Alexander the Great and his Greek army were marching around the known world of his day, defeating armies, annexing territories. And it's a fact. It's a true fact, as I like to say. Is there any other kind? <laughs> that that army marched right off the map one day into the black border area. And that's what we're talking about by prioritizing unreached peoples. Unfamiliar territory. Now, in Alexander the Greek's day and for his Greek army, that was a tra traumatic experience for people who in that day and age thought that the world was flat. I mean, when you march right off the map, uh, where are you going? Christ encourages us with the spiritual dynamic for global evangelism. The balance of our time this morning will be sent, spent then in the second component, the scriptural design for global missions. And we see that in the meat of the Great Commission, verses 19 and 20. It begins with the word therefore. You look back in the preceding verse. What's the basis of the commission? The authoritative command of Jesus Christ. Based on his authority... And when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been entrusted to me, pause, time out, we better pay attention because that kind of a bold statement 
is about to be followed by something that is very, very important. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Now, within the Great Commission, what is the key word? There's only one command in that verse and a half. What is it? What's the key word, the emphasis, the mandate of the Great Commission? Again, not a rhetorical question, Westbridge. What is it? Go, all right? Any others? Good, thank you. Any others? Make disciples. Any others? The command, if you look into the original language that Jesus was speaking and that Matthew was writing, the original command is teach or to make disciples. Now, go carries with it the design of the word, carries with it a mandate, a command, an imperative, but its root form, there's only one, and that is the emphasis, and you heard Bo talk about it earlier this morning, and that is that we must make disciples of all nations. That's the mandate, and then he shares three participles that give you the manner of disciple-making. How do you go about it? You must go. Trust me, it almost carries the weight of an imperative. And how do you make disciples? By baptizing them. Key moment in many of these unreached peoples. When God in his spirit invades their life, they trust and follow Christ by faith. And at that moment of a public testimony through baptism, crucial moment. New Testament followers of Christ understood the importance of baptism more than the contemporary church does. You baptize them, you make disciples by baptizing and by teaching them, teaching them what? Teaching them everything, whatever Christ has taught to us. So, one imperative, three participles that describe the command to make disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching. You came anticipating that you were going to attend a worship service at, Bridge, at Westbridge today, and an English grammar class has broken out right in the midst of it. Make disciples. That's the emphasis, not only of the Great Commission, but also of Paul and, and Barnabas's ministry in Acts. And turn there together with me for just a moment over to Acts chapter 13. I mentioned this earlier at the introduction, that another example of a Great Commission within the New Testament is the church at Antioch deploying its leadoff batter, its cleanup hitter, Imagine a church willing to release its gifted and godly leaders to take the gospel to the nations. That's exactly what the church at Antioch did. I'm not going to take the time to read the three verses. You have it open in front of you. I want to make some observations quickly about this church. Number one, it was a multicultural church. How do you know that? I don't see that in, my, in any marginal notes in Scripture. Just read the names. And where these people were from. It was a multicultural church reflective of their context. Secondly, it was a mature church. How do you know that? Just look at the functions and the activities that they were engaged in. They were worshiping. They were fasting. We can rest assured there was praying. There was teaching. 
There was community impact, and in the context of all of this mature functioning as a New Testament local church, the Spirit of God told them to separate Barnabas and Saul for the work that he had for them. They were a multicultural church. They were a mature church. They were a missional church. Their willingness to release Barnabas and Saul. And then, if we took the time, this is another message for another day, but Going down through Acts chapter 13 and all throughout chapter 14, we see their first ministry duty, and it's very repetitive. They went from city to city to They went to where the people were, and they went through a strategic model that they replicated in every city. They shared the gospel. They made disciples. They trained leaders. They organized the local church, and then they entrusted it all to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they went down the road to the next destination, but the emphasis of the Great Commission was the heartbeat of Paul and Barnabas's ministry in Acts chapter 13. Right at the center was disciple-making. By baptizing, by teaching, by training, as they organized local churches. I also glean from Acts chapter 13 that while it was Paul and Barnabas that went out, listen carefully, the entire church at Antioch was engaged. Did you hear Bo make that appeal earlier this morning? The entire church, by praying, by encouraging, by giving, by rope holding. Do you know where that analogy comes from? Holding the rope. Do you realize that today, October 2, 2022, is the 230th anniversary of when that analogy was birthed? It was on October 2 of 1792 that four Baptist pastors met in Kettering, England, and they formed the Baptist Missionary Society. And they resolved to send their first two missionaries, William Carey and John Thomas, to India. And as they formed this mission society and prepared to send these first two missionaries out, John Ryland was the secretary who was taking the minutes. And he recorded an analogy that William Carey shared with them in order to illustrate this missionary venture. I don't have time this morning, but the context into which that missionary society was birthed, huge theological implications. That's another story. That's the rest of the story. But as Kerry was challenging them, he compared going far away to India, never anticipating on coming back for furlough, never anticipated returning to England again. And he said this, and I quote, I am willing to go, he compared it to going into a mine. I am prepared to go deep into this never-before-penetrated pit before if you are willing to hold the rope. We need prayers. We need encouragers. We need financial supporters. We need teammates. 
We need rope holders. Everyone at Westbridge Church, everyone has a role in the Great Commission. I've already punctuated and emphasized that the key is disciple-making. Let me illustrate it this way as we conclude this morning. If you, as an individual, were to lead one person to Christ every second, it would take 99 and a half years to reach 3.14 billion people. And you say, uh, that's unrealistic. How can I lead a person to Christ every second? Do I anticipate living 99 and a half years? That's an unrealistic and unattainable strategy. All right, let me offer an alternative. If you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, lead one person to Christ in 2022, entire year, and then pour yourself into that person. You come alongside of them. You live life with them. You disciple them. How do I do that? By baptizing and by teaching. He answered the question. And you disciple that person this year. And then next year, you lead another person to Christ. So does your disciple. And both of you disciple that individual. And in the next year, all three of you lead another person to Christ and disciple that person. Do you realize that in the span of one generation, 32 years, you will reach not only the 3.14 unreached billion unreached peoples, you will reach the entire population of the world through an emphasis on being a witness and being a disciple maker. There is genius in not only the authoritative commission that Christ left with us, but in the strategic design, which includes the spiritual dynamic in listening to participation believers and telling the authority of Jesus Christ and ensuring his abiding presence and serving within the strategic design for global missions. Responding in obedience by going, making disciples the mandate by teaching them and by baptizing them. George Barna, the Barna Research Group, recently did a study among churches. Churches. Christians in North America. They asked the question, what's the Great Commission? Less than 33% of church-going Christians could respond and tell the researchers what the Great Commission is. If we are going to engage in the commission, if we are going to obey it, we need to understand clearly what it is. I don't think Westbridge Church is going to be categorized by the one-third. And God give you grace, vision, faith, and the ability to impact the world for Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is far more than evangelism. We cannot be content with just evangelizing the world when the Great Commission demands that we make disciples of them. It is not enough to deploy missionaries 
to easy to access, 10% or more of Christian population within them, open missionary methodology able to be employed in them, when the emphasis of the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. And that includes unreached people groups. Father, I pray that you would give us grace, help your face, your favor to shine upon this local church as they respond in obedience to the authoritative command of your son to take the gospel to the world and to make disciples of all nations. It thrills us to listen to Bo and the stats, the involvement, and yet I pray for every member within our church family to recognize the priority of this venture, and I pray for their involvement in it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.